Well, welcome back to the Adrian Bo podcast featuring Troy Malcolm. AB, uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've had some pretty amazing performers throughout the McGraw Network. And again, this week is no different. We keep saying it, but it keeps coming true that we're very fortunate to have so many elite high performance individuals working under our brand and are willing to give their time not only to share their insights and knowledge, but also just to um, acknowledge that they are doing a phenomenal work throughout each one of their respective offices, suburbs, BDAs, and also states. Um, today, AB, we're very lucky. We've got Alex Jordan coming in from Queensland with us. And I know that you've been working closely with Alex and obviously um, knowing how his business has been performing and how he constantly evolves his team, his strategies to make sure that he's on the forefront of all his clients' needs throughout the whole entire market. Alex, joining us from Paddington office in Brisbane. How are you doing? Good morning, gents. Yeah, good, thank you. Excellent. So for those who don't know, Alex is our number one company-owned agent in the whole state of Queensland, and uh, it's great to have him on, on board today. So Alex, just to start things off for everyone that's listening, if you could just give us a bit of a background how you got into the industry and how long you've been with McGrath as well. Okay, I got in in 1999, so approximately 20 years ago, and my career with McGrath is almost at five years now. So um, the most, I guess, uh, the difference in my career began when I joined when I joined the McGrath office. Excellent, mate. Um, and for the listeners, your average sale price is around the one point six mark. You do around forty transactions a year. It's very hyper focused in Indrapilly. Um, if you could just talk us quickly around your team and what the functions are of those team. Sure. So I've got a, uh, Josh has been with me from the beginning, and Josh is what we call the motherboard of our team. He's a bit of a jack of all trades. We've also got Nathan and Fraser, who are both lead generation agents, and they've got their own BDAs that they target. And our new addition to the team is Kim Yang, who speaks Mandarin and Cantonese. So she's been a, a big asset, particularly when servicing our Chinese clients. Fantastic, mate. Now, um, just with your social strategy, we notice uh, that you're very focused on Facebook and doing a lot of direct geo-targeting as well. Um, just if you could uh, just give us some background on that and, and what the campaigns look like for both you personally and for your clients. Sure. Maybe that, that investment into Facebook and social media is probably the biggest investment I make into my business. And I'm spending somewhere between fifty and seventy thousand per annum, depending on which year it is. Um, the benefit for me has been building a real good profile geographically, and with Facebook, you're able to, I guess, target within certain parameters, and you can even get so specific as to a street. You can target a specific street. So, I think once you team up with the right people and know how the back end of the boosted posts work, there's a huge opportunity to reach the audience that you're trying to communicate with and Facebook has been the best platform for that for me and some of the research that was done it's, is, you know, the average Facebook, Facebook user logs on 14 times a day. So it's a really, for me, a powerful way of reaching that audience consistently uh, and it's on their newsfeed so they can see it there and the, the measure of that, it's difficult to assess the return on investment but for us every open house we go to all the inspections we go to we're getting consistent feedback to say i see you guys all the time on my facebook so we know that that it's it's built my profile um quite dramatically 
Hey, Alex, have you seen that as part of the reason your demographic, I guess, resonates with that online uh, as well? That whole side of that digital marketing format that we see throughout a lot of real estate professionals, but also in the demographics where they've got younger families, but also moving up into that more uh, mature audience. They're really starting to resonate and they want to, like you mentioned, um, watch the videos, watch the communication, watch the marketing when they feel like it. No longer is it relevant for them to get a deal and actually read and, and then digest that content. They're really waiting for that online type of advertising to connect with properties and then follow through to the open for inspection or reach out for a market appraisal or even um, take their property and list it. Yeah, I guess the, the platform allows you to show them your activity. You know, they're not going to get onto realestate.com if they're not thinking real estate today. But Facebook gives you a sort of a consistent way of communicating with them before they become a seller uh, and they get to know who you are, how you operate, your style, your presentation. So for me, it's a really important avenue. And before joining McGrath, I didn't even have a Facebook page, a personal or a business one. So I saw that it, it, it made sense to have it in a business point of view and I've adopted that into the business uh, and everyone's using it, you know, whether it's a, a young 25-year-old looking to buy a unit or a or a more mature client in their 60s that are selling their, their home, they're all on Facebook, they're all seeing the ads, and it's a great way of communicating with them without being intrusive. You know, DL cards and letterbox drops, we still do those. We also do market reports. Uh, but the, the Facebook campaigns for me have been a really direct way of communicating with the audience, whether they're selling or not, they get to know who you are. And when it's time for them to transact, they're likely to come to you and, and you'll get the opportunity. That's great, Alex. And also just, just digging a little bit deeper into that core focus area that, that you've selected, that Indrapilly. I mean, did that just happen organically or by default or was it very strategic and, and quite a, a, a direct decision that you made up front proactively? Yeah, good question, Bowie. It was very strategic. And, you know, the first 10 to 12 years of my career, I made the mistake of targeting a very large BDA. I was trying to look after four suburbs or about 20,000 properties. And I didn't know any better. I mean, I, a lot of agents are still doing that and it's sort of the norm. Um, but it's not as effective as narrowing it down to a very uh, tight BDA. And I noticed guys at the McGrath office in Sydney were doing that very beautifully, like Pete Chauncey, who had a BDA of 1,000 properties. And I was puzzled. When I first joined the, this brand, I, I noticed the numbers they were writing and the small amount of properties they were looking after. And I just thought, wow, if these guys can write this amount of business with a thousand homes, why am I trying to do 20,000? And the 20,000 was never effective because it wasn't consistent. So what I did is I sort of uh, created a formula. I, I wound it all back down to less than 800 properties. And that was the big game changer in my career. We've got about 68% market share for that, for that patch. And that patch is a quarter of Indrapilly. So we've actually said we're not going to take the whole suburb. We're going to take this tiny patch and we're going to work it very consistently. And that was, for me, the biggest game changer in what I adopted into the business. I love that. And for listeners, you know, success leaves clues. And, you know, I've been listening, Alex, to a lot of Julie Masters recently, and she talks about owning your space and she talks about niche within a niche. So, you know, a lot of people used to say, oh, just own digital or own Indrapilly or, you know, own Facebook or whatever. But you, what you've actually targeted is, is a niche market within a BDA and a hyper 
are specially focused, not just on the whole suburb, but within a, a section of that suburb. Now, is that by price range or is that by geography within that BDA, Alex? Yeah, both, AB. Um, to be, I guess, upfront with how we put the formula together, if I had to go into a, a Sydney office today and start my career there, new, into, into real estate, it would be an area I don't know. So firstly, the volume needs to be there. So it's not just about the number of homes. You know, some areas have a lower price, a median price, and you can't do it with a 1,000 houses. So I guess it depends on what you want to write. If, if you, mm-hmm. for example, want to write 500 in GCI, I think that what I need to see is about 60 million worth of sales turnover per annum to make that feasible. So if, you're a, if your BDA only has 20 or 30 million of volume, sales volume per annum, then it's going to be difficult to have a 500k GCI business. So 60 million was the quota which we worked off. Any more is great. And now some areas you'll need 2,000 homes to get to those numbers. Others, you might only need 500. But for me, I think managing about 1,000 is, is good. 2,000 is still doable. Once it gets up above those numbers, it becomes a little bit more challenging. Yeah, and one of the big themes at ARIC this year, Alex, was choose a game you can win, Troy. And, you know, yeah. we do a lot of coaching around the grounds and uh, uh, to to do a, uh, a business plan or take an x-ray on someone's feasibility for their business plan, a lot of the times you find the numbers are just not there. So they're, they're hoping to write 800k GCI, for example, and then you do the numbers and to achieve that, they need 90 or 120% market share. So therefore, they're just not choosing a game they can win. So I just love the fact that there's a lot of proactive focus around your BDA and actually running the feasibility to ensure that it's a sustainable uh, market share. So we look at you, Alex, 68% market share, outstanding. We look at Peter Chauncey within our brand also, 83% market share. We look at Alex Tamada Buddha in in her uh, precinct of, um, of uh, Earlwood and uh, she's looking at above 50% market share. So these are real statistics, guys uh, and listeners, that are happening within our brand and this doesn't happen by chance. This is around coaching, mentoring from people like Troy, John, myself, other leaders in the brand that are sitting down with people and actually talking them through the strategy. How important, Alex, has the McGrath brand been to you and also your team? Because they're like specialty experts of your team. So you're focused on listing and selling and then we've got experts around you focusing on other important tasks of the business. Uh, a huge, huge benefit, AB. Uh, you know, to be quite honest, I don't know if I'd be here without the brand. And it's interesting because before I joined, I, I looked at the brand. I was always uh, keen on McGrath. I went to ARIC in the early 2000s, so I knew that they were the real estate leaders. Uh, and when the opportunity came to join, it changed my mindset in how to run the, on how, how to run the business. And with the, I guess, support of the brand, it's helped me get to where I am. But without it, you know, I was, I was writing four to 500 per annum before, before joining McGrath. I was going to say, Alex, the, the interesting thing is we're seeing a lot of successful performers continue to reinvest in themselves. Um, a bit of crystal ball for you right now. What do you see as the biggest opportunity for your business going forward and where do you see um, your team growing to on the next level over the next 12 months? So, Yeah, so I think we've now built a fairly solid platform to start expanding into other areas. And I'm expanding my BDA very slowly. I've got others that are targeting different BDAs around 
when the suburb of Indrapilly, so it's still fairly geographically focused. I think for us now, it's a lot of buyer management and servicing buyers. Mm. Uh, expireds and withdrawns are becoming more common because the market's softening here. So for me, those two things, servicing buyers, that's going to help us get the deals over the line, uh, but also looking at expireds and withdrawns and having a strategy around that are two points that we'll be focusing on. Yeah, I totally agree, Alex. A lot of agents tend to forget that 50% of a transaction comes from the buyer mm-hmm. um, and and we find that about 90% of the focus from agents goes towards the vendor, uh, be it managing their expectations or servicing them in terms of providing updates weekly face-to-face. But what Troy and I are coaching a lot around at the moment is saying, hey, why not provide vendor-like service to your buyers? I mean, we're in a market where if you look at the glass half full, sure, one of the benefits and luxuries of having less numbers is that you might only have one to three serious buyers on each of your campaigns. Why not have vendor-like service and direct vendor-like service to those buyers, i.e. meet with them once a week to provide an update on the property they're interested in, Uh, uh, two, email them a weekly report on the property that they're interested in, which would also include comparable sales, not dissimilar to what you're providing to your vendor, which would also include new listings that have popped up. Um, And also uh, speaking to them almost every other day to keep them uh, updated. Now, that might be to retain interest up until an EOI date or an auction date, or it might well be to bring them to a point of making an unconditional offer on a property. So I think that that's spot on, Alex, in, in your observations. Yeah, and, and AB, to add to that, I guess agents, us naturally, we try and segment people into different categories. We go buyer, seller, tenant. It's, it's the same person at a different stage of their life. And it's not difficult to be, to be doing that well because the average agent at the moment isn't really servicing buyers very well. And it's very simple to do. You know, you get an inquiry through domain or REA and most, mostly what's happening is the agent responds and says, yeah, it's on 600 square metres or here's the price guide and that's it and that's the, that last of the communication. But a very simple task is to put together a list of relevant sales in that area. Let's say the house you're selling is worth one and a half. You might put together a list of anything that's sold between 1.2 and 1.8 and you can send them that list when they inquire and, and show them what's trading in the area. That type of servicing, the buyer responds very well to because not, they're not getting it elsewhere. And funny enough, those buyers are, are sellers as well. So for us, servicing the buyer has given us a huge, I guess, entry into their world so we can then help them when it comes to the sale. Totally, Alex. And and what you're talking about is is for the agent to be indiscriminate around who the client is you're talking with. So whether it's a tenant, a vendor, a buyer, a seller, doesn't really matter. Uh, don't discriminate and provide great service and have excellent intent up front. Um, and, you know, what I did uh, in my selling career and still do, Alex, is I visualise my parents who are the ones that I'm providing advice to. So I asked myself, what would I do and what would I say and what would I recommend if it was my parents? Now, that could well mean not 
having them sell today. And that will mean, you know, that they could extend, renovate and stay and then in five years' time receiving a listing uncontested. Now, you could even expand that and say, okay, let's be indiscriminate around who we talk to in our community, i.e. a barista at your local cafe, a waiter at your local restaurant, uh, the person at the service station, you know, just, just have great intent and the law of reciprocity, as Troy will often talk about, will always come back to you. So that's gold. Yeah, what we're creating here, OB, and Alex, is you're creating an experience. You get a real sense around, regardless whether you're a buyer or a seller, you're creating an experience, um, you're determined and you're focused on delivering results for everyone involved because you want to become the attraction agent. You're not necessarily just doing it from a transactional sense and thinking about the commission you're earning. You're actually playing the long-term game, which, Adrian, is testament not only to Alex and his team, but it's actually what set him apart for so long in the market of Queensland and where he's working. As we wrap up, AB, is there anything you wanted to do as a final thought? Or, Alex, did you have any more comments? you wanted to make as we kind of wrap this episode up because it's been really insightful and I've got a lot out of it. I've made actually quite a few notes that we're going to share uh, with the LinkedIn post and also the iTunes update. But Alex, thank you so much for your time. We know how busy you are. We know what kind of schedule you've got. Um, so to take a little bit of time out of your day, we're very, very humbled uh, and thank you so much. AB, we're going to be back next week uh, with another Star Performer of the McGraw Network. But tactically, we're seeing a consistency, a consistent theme here. These are all humble people, right? They're easy to talk to. What they say is actually what the way you meet them in real life as well. So there's no persona or no um, kind of scripted dialogue here. We rang Alex and said, hey, listen, we want to do a podcast. We've pretty much said, here are the key topics we want to cover off, and that was it. So um, I think the authenticity, the, how humble he is, is, is speaking volumes. Absolutely. No, we really appreciate it, um, AJ. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people will, will, will take some, some terrific uh, content out of this. And you're right, um, Troy, really what we're finding is consistent traits with all the top McGrath agents, which is process-driven, humility, very well disciplined around their prospecting, uh, great energy, great headspace, and have a really good EBU around them. So that's really what we're focused on and we're trying to advocate and share with around the group. So thanks so much. Thanks, AJ. Pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you.